Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's Cannibal Holocaust, uh, a Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. With me, thankfully, this time is Brian. It was a close thing. Say hi, Brian. Good evening, everyone. And we are show, uh, joined by a shameful guest yet again, uh, Johnny T. The most shameful guest. Probably the uh, most shameful guest we've had so far. Absolutely. Happy to be here. First time listener, first time caller. Is it a, Are you a first time watcher as well? <laughs> yeah, first time watcher. I just got into it a couple weeks ago. No, I'm serious. Uh, have yeah. you? Are you serious? Have you never watched Game of Thrones before? No, no, I've watched it for years. Oh, okay. All right. So you just don't, um, you're a casual viewer, yes? A casual viewer. I, I watch it for the, uh, I want to see dragons. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, a little bit of that, as long as it's consensual. Um, yeah. Yep, colors, fights, <laughs> explosions. And, um, and Johnny, you were one of the people who was really upset by season five. Did, yes, did you stop I, watching at some point? Yeah, what I yeah, so what I actually did was I stopped watching it and then I got to a point where I just let my coworkers tell me whether it was safe <laughs> or not to watch. You know I miss so that. Then I just <laughs> I miss having people tell me the plot to things. Like I remember being a kid on the bus and like some kid could see uh you know, what's the one where the doll comes to life? Problem child? No, Chucky What's it? Child, uh, child's play. Child's, child's play. play. Yeah, I couldn't see it because my parents had like morals and were good parents. But the kid from uh, Trailer Park next door, his parents would let him see whatever he wants, so he would like relate the entire plot to me, and it was so much better than watching <laughs> the movie later. So I missed that shit. But uh, what got you back into uh, the show after quitting it and letting your coworkers tell you about it? Um, believe that the raping died down a bit, so. <laughs> I was able to jump back into it, um, and then this last season I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it was just kind of a fun season with not a lot of like a disturbing, like traumatic scenes and stuff like that. So I just kind of got back into it. But I've been watching it for really since it since it aired. Really, you were an early adopter, unlike Brian here. I, I was, yeah. I was. Well, I was just big into like any HBO show, so I wasn't. Yeah, I will admit. So I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a, an avid book reader, read the books or anything. I just liked it for the fantasy and the um, kind of drama. Right. Did you prefer like, this show or vinyl? Yeah, vinyl. Over what? Did you prefer this show or vinyl? Vinyl, hey, you know, for a bit there, for a bit there, I was bit big on vinyl. Um, but then Game of Thrones ended up, you know, obviously it's, I don't know, it's it's better. Vinyl, but, but I thought vinyl had its moments. Are you excited Maybe for True Detective uh, Season 3? What's that? You excited for True Detective Season 3? No, not really. Yeah, you shouldn't be. No, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What are your thoughts on the Brexit? Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. We are reviewing episode uh, four of season one, Crippled Bastards and Broken Things. Initial impressions, I'm going to tell you right now, I thought this was a snooze fest. This was... The weakest episode so far of the season, uh, one in my opinion. I just thought uh, a lot of wheel spinning, a lot of history lessons, a lot of just uh, sex position, and not a lot actually happened. I think I mostly agree. And I th- again, we're viewing this through the uh, prism of we we know all these secrets, and now this is kind of the third show in a row where it's been just setting up these different things. But I did think it was interesting. Uh, there were a few details as the show went on 
that were interesting that didn't make sense at the time that now in retrospect are pretty cool. Like, for instance, uh, uh, Bran seeing the three-eyed raven in a dream, which is in the first scene we'll get to. But uh, I, I largely agree with you. Johnny T, what did you Boring. think? Boring. <laughs> there was one, uh, the one cool scene was um, that uh, with the, the blonde chick in the bathtub. You mean, oh, no. you mean yeah. where Viserys, the badass, was taking a bath? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, blonde, the blonde girl. Is she blonde? No, that's a dude. Uh, that's a dude. <laughs> All right, so you thought it was boring, so that's good. We'll give our ratings at the end, and we'll see where it relates on the sandwich meter. Um, and Johnny T is no stranger to the sandwich meter. Um, but oh, yeah. uh, kicking this off, we start in Winterfell, and Bran's having dreams where he can walk and shoot arrows, and he sees oh, a raven with... Um, uh, let's say three eyes. Uh, he wakes up and he's still like basically, you know, meat bag. Uh, and his brother informs him he has to come to dinner or greet uh, Tyrion Lannister. Uh, and Tyrion's actually kind of cool and is going to make uh, gives the Maester plans for Bran to like have a, sa- a saddle so he can still ride a horse because being a small person, I guess it's difficult to ride a horse. And it's the kindness that. Tyrion decides to show Bran, I guess, primarily, it could have been because of the fellowship he felt with Jon, but all that is ruined by, uh, you know, Rob being a dick to him. Obviously, he thinks that he was involved, or the Lannisters in general were involved with Bran's um, crippling. So, uh, they have a little bit back and forth, and he decides to stay in a whorehouse instead of staying in Winterfell. Good choice. And, um... And yeah, and but not before a verbal sparring match with Theon, in which they talk about their past family squabbles and how the Greyjoys burned the Lannister fleet, and basically they're just accepting all this family um, crap. I know uh, Brian's mentioned that before. All this like inherited beef that's not really real, like it means nothing to Theon and um, Tyrion, but still, it's a it's a way just to inherited, you know, aggression and. I guess, being pissed off at each other for no reason. Uh, and then, um, that's pretty, basically it here. I can't remember anything else that happens in this scene. Yeah, you whipped through that pretty quick. A uh, few details I thought were interesting is, is again, Brant's seen the Three-Eyed Raven. Obviously, when you watched the first season of this, you had no clue what that meant, but we uh, received a lot more information about the role of the Three-Eyed Raven, and Brand becomes a Three-Eyed Raven in season six. So I, I do think that these details are popping up in these earlier episodes when you would have no clue when you watched the earlier episode what it actually means is really neat. I mean, I, I think that's good storytelling. Um, a couple other things. I, the shot where Hodor comes into the room to pick up Bran to carry him down, I thought that was a really great shot. It really struck me how uh, barren the room was, and I, I assume that's a pretty good representation of the Middle Ages or at least – what this is supposed to be based on or modeled after. The room is just so barren. There's weird pieces of furniture and the There was the floor a couple of Barristan sh- Selmy posters on the wall. I don't know if you saw those. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, I think that was one of the first scenes where I really got uh, the size of Hodor. I mean, he looked huge in that room compared to everybody else. Well, in a couple um, episodes, we'll get a real good uh, look at Hodor's oh, yeah. dong. When he hangs it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hangs it big time. Uh, I don't think uh, then we in the scene where um, Bran or not Bran, um, uh, Theon and uh, Tyrion are kind of verbally jousting. I don't think I ever noticed. I think that uh, Theon has kind of the Shannon Darty going, 
where one side of his face is a lot higher than the other side. Did you guys notice that? I did. You know, he looked weird, and I thought maybe did he get it fixed like later on? I just thought he was British. I don't know that you can get like the uh, relative positioning of the sides of your face. No, 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 you can do that. That's the thing. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I did think that the interaction between Tyrion and uh, Theon, I think this was the first um, scene where we got a really good idea of what Theon's relationship to the Starks was, as well as a little bit more history about the Greyjoys and the Greyjoy Rebellion. So, I did that enjoy is, seeing that. That is a those great details. point because I remember reading yeah. the books even the first time and not knowing who the fuck this guy was, knowing that he was, you know, part of the family but not completely. Um, and it was just very confusing from a book reader standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 Tyrion calls him a to discuss how describes how the Lannister or the um, the Starks are his captors. He's their lackey. He's his enemy squire. Constant disappointment to his father. And discusses the stupid rebellion by his father, which all kind of pays off when Theon returns to uh, the Iron Islands in season six. Yeah, and it really makes the king's mood that much sweeter. All right, uh, oh, yeah. Johnny T, did you uh, know who the hell like Theon was from the outgo, or were you just like, who the fuck is this guy? Is he a cousin? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So from my perspective, I mean, honestly, everybody's new. So as a viewer, I'm really just kind of learning it from the get go. So. When season one, when, when I watched it originally, I mean, I didn't know who any of these people were. So, and I still have <laughs> remembering stuff. You know, it's like, oh, it's, is that the blonde girl with the eyebrows? Oh, yeah, or is that the right? Weird but guy? at least, like, you understand f- <laughs> familiar, the weird guy. But at least you understand familial relations. You can say, okay, this is this guy's father yes. and this guy's yes, brother. Yes, I can. Yeah, I can. I can. I can draw some some lines there. The the one thing that that I was taken aback by was how uh, Bran uh, doubled in size. Like it's spicy. Like that kid was tiny, and then that now he's gigantic. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I don't know. For for what it's worth, that was uh, I was like, oh yeah, that guy's he literally doubled in size. The timeline is. I yeah, supposed to pick his ass up. The timeline it's just so weird. I think the brand brand's uh, aging is probably the most uh, strange part of the timeline. The one that makes the least amount of sense. Nobody else seems to have grown up to quite to the extent that Brand has. Yeah, maybe in casting they should have like uh, measured the bones between his wrists. I guess that's a pretty good indication of how tall you will eventually be um, before they <laughs> is, they cast him. Yeah. Is everybody a doctor on the podcast tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so where do we go from here? Well, actually, one other interesting thing. Uh, I, I of course, was, one uh, more interesting thing. Jesus, why are we even doing this if this is going to be your attitude? <laughs> I will turn this van around. Um, so uh, Theon and uh, Theon actually mentions Roz, the prostitute, to uh, Tyrion, which Roz is the prostitute that shows up at Littlefinger's brothel later after leaving uh, Winterfell. Remember, um, it's Theon not just rides that. out. She's after integral her. to like every, uh, almost every plot line in the first couple yeah. seasons. Like she does. I guess she doesn't touch Danny's plot line, but other than that, she gets around, literally. Yeah, and yeah. She was the one who was killed by. Uh, by that little shit Joffrey with an uh, uh, with a, his crossbow, which is one of those scenes in season five where I just said, why am I, hell am I watching the show? But uh, again, I think it's really interesting, even though the plot might not have been as interesting, there's still details that to be picked up that you never would have known in the initial season. And now that you, with all these things 
in retrospect and not just watching it once and then getting details from your coworkers you would pick up on in later seasons. Now, was, was, was this episode, was this our introduction to the mountain? Uh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So that, yeah. and, and like you kind of saw his face for, for a brief point there. That it was, was the first of three mountains. That wasn't, that's not the current oh. mountain. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. The second okay, one was really shitty, though. Like, it was just some tall guy. Uh, and we'll get to it in about, I don't know, half a year. But I, I agree. Like, looking back, it was nice that they used, they would just drop names like Umber. Uh, they do that once in, in this. Uh, when when uh, Ned's looking over the the, her- the genealogy.com book. <laughs> that, um but yeah, they drop the they drop the umbers, and these this is a uh, you know a family that comes up several times in the show, and then they disappear. So it's nice that they have consistency, and they are, you know, using the world that's available, even when they're inventing, um, you know, dialogue and situations. I appreciate it. Yeah, and especially the three eyed raven. I mean, that thing doesn't pay off for until the fifth season or the you yeah know, but at the same pretty, time this pretty, is the three-eyed raven is brand's story completely up yeah, to this then, point they are also on the george martin blueprint so that's presumably right. a large part of that blueprint so anyways we go to uh winterfell where we just uh, meet samuel tarley no uh we go to the wall i'm sorry the wall i wrote down the wrong location come on guys Pardon get it together me. yeah <laughs> so uh so then we go to the wall where we meet samuel tarley and uh, we had just previously heard the reference to Robert Baratheon. His first kill was a Tarly, and Sam's getting beat up. He's fat. Laugh out loud. Um, he sucks. Uh, Rast, our boy Rast, is beating him up. <laughs> Rast uh, the best. <laughs> yeah, Alistair Thorne's a really shitty trainer. Just a stupid way to run things. Uh, not much. That's bad seen. manager, guys. Just all around bad, bad leader. Yeah, really. I, yeah, Alistair Thorne. Just I mean, throughout the series. Is always annoying me, and I understand his purpose, but it's just it's 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 spitefulness for no purpose. It seems to me. Right, I will say that like I identified with him a lot more when he talks about how rough it is in the cold, and he's right. Yeah. They can't be excusing people, but at the same time, his motivations are good. The way he's going about enforcing these rules is not smart or um, going to get a good result. He needs to change his uh tactics to fit he the needs, players he, he needs a copy of how to win friends and influence people right could be truly successful that way yes yes um so uh then with that's a pretty quick scene i don't know if anybody else has anything to say about it um if um, they don't, just, then we go to... No, just but, really quick like uh you know oh here we go doug's got something <laughs> to say about the <laughs> No, but like, but Sam is introduced just as like a, a like a beyond piteous character, and like he's fat, but in the show he doesn't look that much fatter than Rast. He looks like Rast after like a freshman year in college, like Rast putting on the freshman fifteen, and then you have Samwell. Uh, so, uh, and you know he's fat, but he's he's just not like George R. R. Martin. He does a good job of like. The fat characters in his book are like grossly obese. We talked about Illyrio. Um, yes, we've talked about uh, there's uh, Wyman Manderly in the last season. He's too big to sit on a horse. Yet the guy that we saw on screen could kneel and you know be looked pretty agile. So uh, obviously, I guess HBO is uh, uh, siding on the or uh, uh, airing on the side of 
let's let's put chubby people on, but not gross fat people on. Um, but uh, it's a small quabble. I mean, this guy is Sam in my well, head some now. Some people like wouldn't even like the descriptions wouldn't even be feasible. No, like, how would you have like get... an eight hundred pound man on? Yes, a, on a they set? just go to Maury Povich and they get a tarp and they <laughs> put it in. The, you know, get a fray outfit and they cut the back. Doesn't have to have a back, and they you know paint the couch that the guy lives on to look like a throne or whatever, and he can be on the show. I don't see the big deal. They could have crossover episodes with TLC's My My Six Hundred Pound Life, whatever that show is. <laughs> All right, just that's my only little uh, bugaboo. Okay. All right, let me go on to John base. input. Uh, John, so, yeah. So you guys just want fatter people? That's that's my takeaway. I think that's Doug's. I think that's Doug's input. That Doug's is, input uh, is yeah. Once true, true, true to life, just extremely fat, obese people. True to the book. True I just think, book. yeah, or just like uh, you know this. I will say that there were a few scenes where like people looked kind of like gross, uh, which I appreciate, and it seemed to go away from that altogether. Like, you know, when you ever t- take a look at the extras, they all like even the poor people like, you know, have they don't look disgusting or they don't look like they smell like uh, three yeah. years of shit unwashed. I don't yeah. know. Uh, well, that's because H- well, H- they're going to film it like that because nobody wants to. Nobody actually wants to watch that. I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, don't don't get on me for what I'm into. Don't judge me. Sure. All right, so we go to uh, uh, Horsey Town. So the Horsey Parade arrives at Horsey Town, and it looks a lot different. Um, we'll talk about that in a second yes. if we need to. But um, King Viserys, the badass, is upset that the Kalasar still isn't his. And, um, you know, he's bitching to, to Danny about it. And Jorah and Danny kind of like share a look and have a moment that you know, Danny's starting to realize that this her big brother is worthless, um, even though he's a badass. And we get this long sex position scene in the bathtub where we have a long list of, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Targaryen history and all the dragons. And there's a long list of dragons, and I researched every single one. And here's a list of the ones that were real and the ones that were just made up. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have ha- done that shit. Did you actually do this? Fuck no. Uh, but there oh, wasn't God. much to this. This uh, besides their going to Vase Dothrak for some reason, you know. As a viewer, I don't, I don't know what import this has. Besides, maybe Viserys is thinking that maybe Cal Drogo will uh, decide to give him his army and sail west. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, th- th- it was just more, no, no, more yeah, exposition. Sorry, go ahead, Johnny T. We got. We we go. Go ahead, John. No, I, I was just gonna say absolutely no purpose. Well, we learned a little bit more about Jorah that he had. Uh, he's the reason he was a slaver, probably to provide some um, some sympathy to him because he had an expensive wife, whatever. And then we had to learn a little bit more about the dragons. But the entire scene, I kept thinking that dude probably has a hard dick, and so that yeah. was very off-putting, <laughs> considering it's Viserys, even though he's a total badass. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he did have a hard dick, I think we would have seen it popping up under over the water. <laughs> well, you, you know, but but in all seriousness, you do wonder how they film those scenes. Do like we know how, how they film those scenes, they all they take them down. Spent. Yeah, they take yeah, them down, and then they tail you down. Yeah, but that, that's just got it's got to be weird and awkward. I, I really don't know how they do it because John can't hold back his dragon. No, nope. nope. once you wake nope. it. Can't stop uh, it. Won't but stop yeah, it. I just I I remember being bored by this this whole scene, uh, just like going, yeah. Can I can I fast forward this? Can't like is it still going on? 
Um, I mean, you can see the show the show writers like thinking that they need to explain the background behind these dragons. It's kind of boring. How do we do it? We have an attractive woman be naked and giving a handy during it. I mean, silly, but that's what it is. Scr- scrawny blonde weirdo. Yeah, he's clownish. Mm-hmm. He like this even later in the the show when we get to it. Like I've said that uh, Ramsey is a cartoonishly evil character. Uh, if he's yes. if yeah. Ramsey is a cartoon, this guy is just straight clown. It's he's just yeah. over the yeah, top. He, like, he's just a, like yeah, laughable. The the laughable villain. Like all right, this right. guy really. Exactly. All right, so, so moving on. Moving on, we go to uh, Sansa and King King's Landing. She's speaking to a Septa, discussing Sansa's future as uh, solely a baby maker. Um, discuss some background about uh, the Iron Throne, and I still know that we knew that the Iron Throne knew it was built by, or what the what kind of some of the history behind it. Not all that important. Uh, discuss how some of Sansa's, Sansa's family was killed by the Mad King, which is kind of a reiteration of information that we had uh, prior. Yeah, we get the fact that Sansa is still upset at Daddy for killing her puppy or whatever. Um, and whatever. yeah, you're right. Like. I don't know why they mentioned the Mad King. Maybe it's a just a sense of foreboding uh, for Ned's impending death that uh, the Mad King killed uh, her uncle Brandon and grandfather in the same room that she's in right now. Um, just I think that's that's what it's all about is lending to an air of um, you know doom and gloom. They talk about the, the Mad King in like every goddamn episode. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was a repeat of the information we got about it last week. Yeah, I, and I, yeah, this scene, I don't know what this scene added. This was kind of, I guess at least it was short. But the Mad well, King maybe, was pivotal because he was the end of the Targaryen line. His actions caused the end of an empire. Even if Danny somehow takes the Iron Throne again and establishes a new reign, um, you know, he goes down in history as being the, the guy who lost it all. Plus, right, but Ned, Ned and Ned and um, Ned and Jamie discussed this last week. Right. Hey, I are we talking about the, 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 are we talking about the scene with Sansa and, and Littlefinger? No, we haven't no, got there yet. We're still talking about Sansa and her Septa. Oh, sorry, guys, I, I blacked out for a bit there. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> it happens. All right. So then we jump to uh, a small council meeting, and the the captain of the city guard, or basically the cops. He's complaining about the increased number of violence and people in the town. Uh, he can't keep the peace. So, uh, you know, Ned offers... Which, you know, this is uh, Jano Slint, who uh, obviously plays a role later at the King's Wall, or at the uh, at the Wall. Yeah, and, and that's just in, like, season five, right? Yeah, another total badass. Right, this guy's a badass. But, yeah, he's, he's an also, like, a long, you know, long... You know, he's a secondary character, but he sticks around. So it's our first yes. glimpse of him. Uh, but Ned does the honorable thing and offers to uh, lend his own troops and offer also offers additional gold uh, and volunteers Littlefinger to come up with the money somehow. So you can see that like Ned gets angry at uh, Robert for throwing around money, but at the same time he doesn't think twice about um, borrowing more money to fix a problem. So uh, I'm not a Robert King Robert apologist, but I think a lot of people just you know give him too much shit but uh not much goes on here and then ned asked picel about john aaron and it comes out that john aaron asked picel to borrow a book about genealogy um and um they talk about how fast he died as if it was by poison 
Picel doesn't think anybody would do it. Um, and Ned says, well, it's been told that <laughs> poison is a weapon of women. And Picel says, yes, he's quick to point out Varys. Uh, yes. Women, cravens, and eunuchs. Did you know that Lord Varys is a eunuch? So I don't know why Picel is pointing towards Varys if it's just his, you know, his prejudice against Varys in general. Like he's prejudiced against um, Kyber he's later. Just, he's, just old, he's just an old dickhead. <laughs> okay, well, that explains it all. I think Pizel's constantly worried. I mean, I think that a lot of the small council, it, uh, the implication that we get is that they're always kind of trying to sell each other out for more favor. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly. probably what Pizel is doing here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it comes out that Pizel. I think that this is interesting because, the, the, you know, the one thing that we haven't, that this first season involved was a lot of intrigue and kind of what this mystery was behind uh, what why John Aaron died. Um, and I don't know that there's really been that type of mystery in the show moving forward after the season. I mean, I think most of the details are revealed to the viewers moving forward. This was really, in, in this scene struck me and how it seemed like this was one of the ones where we didn't know what was going on. One of the few areas where we didn't know what was going on um, in general, well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean, but like this first season and the first book, it's all, this is the central like plot of it and it's all misdirection, right? Like, yeah, we have this murder mystery, but none of it fucking matters because of the White Walkers or others. Um, you know, they don't carry it forward. It's not like a series of who done it going forward. I mean, I guess yeah, uh, but this first season really was. I mean, the, you're right. It absolutely large... no, it absolutely yeah. was, and I think George R. R. Martin likes to blend um, different genres, and it's definitely an Agatha Christie novel. Kind of like a murder mystery type deal. Um, but it's just so fascinating that that's not what it becomes or it doesn't, it just plays with that idea and then moves on from there. Okay, that's because the White Walkers look cool as shit. Hell yeah. yeah. You know what? Out of these people, good, good plot the twist. Show, Johnny T is on board with me. He just wants to see White Walkers fight people. Dude, I, if I could, if, if, every, if every episode had a bunch of White Walkers and <laughs> battle scenes. Versus yeah. dragons, hell, and dra- giants, direwolves. Yeah, drag- oh, the giants, dude. Yes, I like them too. Bad news, yep, guys. Yep. The White Walkers and the human beings are going to find a peace and they're going to sign a treaty, and that's going to be it. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> Don't say that. The, the hard home cord. <laughs> right. So afterwards, uh, Ned goes to meet Arya, who's full of, you know, she's full on water dancer training. Uh, is believing everything that Serial Pharrell is telling her. Um, she's practicing hardcore. Well, uh, and they just spitfire. Yeah, she's a little spitfire. Uh, they're discussing Bran's future and how he'll never be a knight or a Kingsguard knight. And they also talk about Arya's destiny. And Ned says, you will be the lady of some lord and hold fast, take care of his, king, his household. And she's like, fuck that noise. That's not me. Uh-uh. So once again, it's identity. She, like, even back then knows who she is. Um, you know, that's that's Arya's whole thing is, like, it's an identity. Like, who is she? Am I this person or am I that person? And she wrestles with that. But here she seems pretty confident that that is not what who she is at all. Um, it's yeah. all foreshadowing for what's coming for her, but it's also... At the same time, it's it's not really foreshadowing of like every single. I mean, maybe it is if every single thing that happens with her in this first season just seems to be pointed to her eventually just becoming somebody who beats people's asses. 
which is cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's cool. Now, Johnny T, are you a fan of the direction that Arya took? I, I don't want you to necessarily discuss, you know, the uh, how, how boring all the bum fights and all the stupid stuff. Oh, by were, the but... way, spoiler alerts: we might be talking about stuff that happens later in the show or in the books. Jesus Christ! Um, Wait, lay it so, on me, Brian. Let's so, are you are you a favor of like? Uh, are you excited to see where her character goes next season? Now she's a, I guess, half trained assassin. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Because she, I mean, she's got that. You know, she. All right. She doesn't want. She wants to be her own woman. She's trying to seek her own kind of path, and she wants to be a fighter. So, without a doubt, yeah, I want to see where that goes. And then the scene that you were just talking to, her father kind of looked at her with like a little bit of a nod and a smile, like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, do do that. Do do what you want to do." So we saw her kill the phrase in the last season. What do you? What's your prediction on where Arya ends up next season? This is this good. I, been, like this. I think, yeah, I think this is the most contentious thing, or, or the biggest speculation on our part and differing theories. So, what do you think that she does next season? Oh man. Um, well, what's what? Can you give me some? some what, what's been so contentious keeps, about? It? Do you example. think she keeps going down her list and tries to kill everybody on her list? Do you think she meets up with John and or Sansa? Do you think she? I don't know gets involved in killing White Walker somehow. I don't... And open up your mind. Anything you think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think she reconnects with the Hound because she was close yep, to him for a go. while? Yeah. So, so yeah. So, okay. So, a couple just off the top of my head. Yes, I think she reconnects with the Hound because I'm also thinking, like, why'd they bring the Hound back in the first place? Um, Great so, question. So, yeah, I think... I, I don't think she's, like, this insane assassin that's just going to go on for perpetuity and kill... Everybody, I think she gets to maybe a some sort of stopping point. Um, you know, maybe hooks up with the Hound. I mean, she will seek vengeance on whoever, but I think at some point that should peter out. And then I don't know if she's fighting White Walkers or something in the end. You know, I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, because it doesn't. We don't think it makes a lot. Of, like the political machinations within Westeros makes sense for her to be involved in. But I don't know that she has an advantage over White Walkers or how she would fit in to uh, no. fight against White Walkers. No, I, I see her almost like as like a comic book character. Like she's one of this ragtag team of whoever, like her and Jon Snow. Yeah, I don't know. But at least uh, now, do I you think, think Jon Snow, I think I think you're right. I don't see Arya even lasting to the point where it comes down to White Walkers because I don't see how she'd be an advantage. I think if anything, she could be like a political assassinate, uh, like assassin Cersei. And have like a bigger um, yeah. kind of like yep. play there. Yeah, like that. Like yeah, just kind of like right whatever wrongs have been done in the past at to a certain point, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, I, I really I wonder if she's gonna die before the series is over. I I, I, I definitely I, believe she's gonna die. Gosh, that would be kill off such a fan favorite. I mean, that uh, she's got to be the biggest fan favorite maybe her or Jon Snow I think I, well you, you know I, like is it I think Samwell's kind of a fan favorite now now where does he go uh, hopefully we, the fat farm no I, I, I think he, he's he's got to like he's probably gonna learn something in this library that helps somebody do something but I uh, but just given time he's gonna have a half training just like Bran had a half training on becoming the three-eyed raven and just like Arya just had like a Arya. half training uh being of coming yeah. a faceless man because we don't have time for Samwell to study for 20 years to get his, you know, his graduate, yeah. postgraduate, you know, all that shit. Uh, we need him to, uh, to be level up very quickly and come back to the wall to be part of the main story. That's right. 
All right, so speaking of Samwell, we uh, go back to the wall, and Samwell's the new watch partner with John. Segue. Was that that? That sounded like a planned segue. Good job. Oh, no, that was smooth. Yeah. Smooth up in you. Ruin that. Uh, ruin the segue by talking about the segue. Right. Yeah, what's your comment on the segue? It's done. <laughs> um, so, so Samwell, he, he's completely over the top in the scene about how, um, how he's such a weenie and his dad didn't like him. Um, I don't know. He's got that goddamn neck beard. It looks awful. Um, <laughs> but he provides his origin story. His daddy was mean to him. Uh, Alistair's like his daddy. I don't know. I didn't... I, I, until Sam kind of cowboyed up a little bit, I didn't really care for Sam all that much. And the yeah, scene. yeah, I, I agree. At this point, you're just like, oh, you're just watching a buffoon kind of fall around right, and but cry. Yeah. This is just like, this is all about John. Now that we know that John is the main character of the entire story if at all sharing that spotlight with Danny. it's He's here yeah. just like um, Tyrion was there last time and those boys he kicked their ass to show John's maturation as a leader uh, and possibly future king. Or he is a future king of the North at the very and least. Then, and, and, and then John John Snow did that like semi uh, full metal jacket scene. <laughs> yeah, charging. Like al- almost. We'll, we'll get there. We're not there yet. But uh but yeah, I Bitch. think it's just to show that. I think it's just to show that John John shows pity on him and he befriends him and he sees worth in uh, this guy where no one else does. And he also pities him because his dad's an asshole who threatened to kill him if he didn't give up his uh, claims to the house. So, it, yeah, once again, it's boring. Doesn't really do much besides to develop John's character. I think more so than introduce Sam as a person. Yeah, a little bit of background on Sam, but again, this is the kind of detail that's not interesting once we already know it, and there was nothing added to the scene that you didn't know by already just watching the show. So, absolutely. Anything else to say about John, uh, Sam, John? No, no, I called him a bumbling buffoon. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> All right, moving on. So we go to back Boils down, down. To, go back down to little uh, King's Landing, not little little landing. Uh, and Littlefinger points out that uh, is walking with Ned and points out that uh, Ned shouldn't trust anybody. He points out all the spies. Look at that person. That person's with this guy, and this is Cersei's I wonder how spy. many of those were actually real, or if he was just bullshitting. He could be bullshitting because uh, Ned is a rube. Ned. But regardless, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he, he could be. But regardless, whether it's true or not, I mean, there's some truth in there. That's all the great lies are like that. And... Um, he also points Ned to a squire who was knighted just after John Aaron's death, after being a squire to John Aaron. Um, and Ned asks, "Why are you helping me?" And he says, "Because I, I promised your wife that I'd protect you, which is a lie, of course." Um, so Ned says, sends his right hand man Jory to go uh, question the knight or bring him to him. And the knight uh, rebuffs him, saying that Jory's, you know, he's a knight and he doesn't have to do anything. Um, that anybody else tells him, I guess. I don't know. That seemed pointless. Uh, but then Jory... You can't tell me what to do. Exactly. I don't... I, let's stop right there. What? Why? Why was that added? Why did we need to have this scene just to get an idea of what knights are like? Uh, I, 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 just I to know who the Q was. I mean, if you just if they went from that scene... I mean, I guess they could have just added a line right before no, the... No, like uh, Littlefinger points him out. He goes... To Sansa later, he goes, that's the mountain. He's, you know, Sir Gregor's yeah. brother, or, yeah, Sir Sandor's brother. And then he points out uh, Sir Hugh of the Vale. He was John Aaron's knight, or uh, squire, and now he's a knight. That could have been it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, 
Uh, Jory and Ned then I go mean, to the they armory. Just, they're supposed to show that jo- that that uh, that Ned's doing his due diligence by sending Jory to try to speak to the guy. He's not getting answers here. Then why does he try to get answers elsewhere, which is the, about to be the scene that you describe? Right, I guess. So they go to the armory frequented by John Aaron uh, once again on the uh, uh, direction of Littlefinger. And they discover a boy who turns out to be King's Robert's bastard working in there. Um, Gendry, we come to learn this guy's name and, and know him pretty well in the next couple so, seasons. He's still somewhere rowing right now. Yes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That, that, that is the squire dude? What do you mean the squire dude? No, that's not the squire dude. The squire dude it's was all. the guy, the blonde guy Belchick. that told Jory to go fuck off. Um, Gendry is the, the armor's apprentice. Um, right. Also, right, right. yeah, but Littlefinger told him about both these people uh, to, to point Ned in the right direction or wrong direction as uh, Littlefinger wants uh, the Lannisters and the Starks to fight, obviously. Um, so um, then Ned says his boy Jory on another mission to give King Robert a message. Um, I don't know what that message is about, maybe about the bastard, who knows. But it is not delivered because Jory is once again sent off like a little bitch, this time by another knight, Jamie Lannister. After a brief, uh, somewhat authentic exchange about a battle they were both in together, um, that also involved the Greyjoys. More info dump, and they bring out, bring up the failed rebellion of the Greyjoys uh, once again. Um, yeah, I just think this is a lot of history and a lot of backstory. Um, it's kind of boring. I did remember on the first time I watched it, I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on. And when Ned walked out of the smithy and said, realized, he did some exposition about the, um, this is Robert Brathwaite's bastard. I remember going, oh shit, <coughs> because oh. I didn't have the benefit of the books. Oh shit, yeah, and of course, and like you know, I don't know, you don't have a lot of the foreshadowing, I guess, about. Um, the black hair and the way he looked like. It's too much, though. I mean, it's too much to process, or at least it was for me the first time through the show. Right, this is episode John, John, four, did, for Christ's sake. Episode four, yeah. after meeting like like a cast of, I don't know, dozens at the very least right now. John, fact, did, do you remember if you watched this the first time through that you picked up what was going on with this thing? Uh, who, me? No. I Okay, so just to put myself back in time. No, absolutely not. I remember watching it, missing half the shit, uh... We ended up having to put on closed captions at some point because I'm like, I, <laughs> I don't know what they're saying, what their names are, who's who. Um, but yeah, like um, like Brian just said about the uh, there was a oh it was like oh shit he's a bastard too. But then you're like, all right, then you're just trying to process all this other information and backstory. Um, but it's interesting, like now you know you rewatch it and you're like, oh okay, you know it's no big deal. But it takes this like to do a podcast about it. You're well, yeah. When, I mean, when you're when you're subject matter experts, you know, <laughs> like like I am, then yeah, then it's easy. We're all experts here. Yeah, and we also look. There's a little bit more information about, uh, you know, with Roberts in the in the in his bedroom, knee deep in it, and I mean, just sees how much he taunts Jamie and how much Jamie must hate him. I did right. think that was kind of funny, you know, but yeah, no, but you not, can tell. not anything really. Wise. Right. I just thought the only thing he reacts just like Tyrion when Tyrion has a bad reaction or interaction with somebody else, he takes it out on somebody else. Like I, yes. I'm gonna blame his uh, spat with Theon, which Tyrion basically provoked the majority of it. 
uh, based on he was angry that of his interaction with the Starks prior with Rob treating him like shit. And I think Jamie is upset that Rob, Rob King Robert, another Rob, weird, um, is treating him like shit and insulting him to his face by uh, having cheating on his sister uh, right in front of him. Uh, he's mad at Robert, yet he takes it out on this household guard, uh, Jory. Um, so yeah. Lannister's just dicks. There's not. There's no way around it. All right. So then we're back at the wall. Uh, John is sitting at dinner uh, with the, the everybody at the Night's Watch. Prince Porkchop isn't there. John makes everyone promise not to hurt Prince Porkchop. Uh, Ras says no because he's a total badass. Uh, threatens Rast with. Uh, they go to. Uh, they cut to Rast sleeping. They threaten Rast with uh, ghost, and uh, Rast promises not to touch Sam. Pretty much it. Not much to it. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. There just couldn't be that many thoughts to it. No, I mean it's just once again the dire wolves being uh, an integral part of the show uh, in the beginning yeah. and then disappearing, which I'm sad about. Yeah. It's also John be you know willing to enforce his rules. He's not only gonna be like, well, I guess I tried. You know, he's gonna make sure shit yeah. happens. Yeah. So then we go back to the horsey capital city. Uh, Viserys is dragging a woman into Danny's tent, accusing of telling him what to do by inviting him to supper and offering him clothes to wear because uh, he doesn't wear clothes that are coated in manure, unlike our uh, guest co-host tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this this remember we discussed uh in a prior episode how uh Viserys um just by uh, the simple like he was invited to dinner. Yeah, but we don't and, know. Uh, like uh, I want I'm yeah. I'm reading too much into it, but like maybe yes. he was commanded by the the messengers just to get a rise yeah. out of him. Yeah. So or he could he be misinterpreting a, it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Viserys calls Danny a horse lord slut. Uh, which is a phrase I've now adopted in my everyday language. <laughs> um, she's awoken the dragon, which, of course, as we know, is a synonym for domestic violence against women. And this is the first time that Danny physically fights back and slaps him with, um, with uh, I think it was like a, a, a necklace or something along those Probably lines. Probably the same gold necklace that's going to be melted and put all over his face, I guess. Hopefully. I Poetic justice. And so he bitches out after he gets smacked with that necklace. And this is... Uh, you kind of see like this pretty quick arc here where first she stands up to him last episode now she's hitting back against him this episode i mean she turns on him pretty quickly here so yeah i, I, I kind of like the scene because of this of all these um you know we get on the show about using the rape and then the women fighting against the rape as empowerment of women but i do think that this where it's not quite as violent as quite as gross offenses against women where they do actually fight back i do think that 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 is somewhat empowering I wrote the same thing. I wrote, like, this is one of those girl power moments that is uh, believable, earned, and not blown out of proportion. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and then we get Viserys, Viserys reacting to it like, ooh! Like, it's like such a, like a, like a shock and awe. How about dare getting, you? Yeah. Just being a, a it, was, it was interesting that he guy. just didn't fight, he didn't fight back at all. He's such a bitch. Yeah, with a yeah. little bit of little bit of you know uh, whatever violence or aggression, and he just crumbles like a house of cards, just goes down. Yeah, and you kind of see Denny realize it that she could have been doing this shit for her entire life. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just had like a spade in her pocket. 
all it took was one slap. Yeah. So that's, that's about it on that scene. So lesson to all you ladies out there. Slap his bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> Words from the wise. All right, and then uh, let's see. We leave Horsey Town. We go back up to the wall. Uh, John and Sam bond over being virgins. Uh, and they're grab- Sam's apparently a poonhound. We didn't even know. Yeah, he's just like, I love the ladies. They don't like me, <laughs> but I love them. And uh, their grab-assery is interrupted by Thorne, who comes and explains that, you know, listen, dipshits, I'm trying to make you hard men. Um, you know, shit's going to get real eventually and, uh, you're not going to be ready and you're going to get somebody killed. So once again, I think for for, for the first time I see where that guy's coming from. (laughs) No, are you being honest? I do now. I'm like, I get it. I get him now. Yeah. I mean, I makes sense. Right. I get him now. I get his motivations. Like I said, his, his tactics are just awful. Like, because he doesn't adapt. He doesn't change. He's just like, well, this is the way I'm going to prepare you. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to write you off. That's it. Yes. So, And and I want to point out that this is all... Um, um, Do we skip over the part where they were fighting in the yard and they enforced the rules about... Um, um, people were trying to fight Sam in the yard and they refused to or just went down like really quick? Did we? I don't know. I don't. Does that come up later? I thought this is. I think it came up before. I, I might have missed it. Yeah, I might have not written down any notes about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think I did either. But regardless, uh, after the Ras fallout of the Full Metal Jacket scene, Ras refuses to fight John or Sam in the yard the next day, and neither will anybody else. Um, and <laughs> Alistair Thorne immediately knows that it, it was Jon Snow's doing, so he like grabs him and says, "You know, you think this is funny." Um, and basically tries to intimidate him. Um, but this is the fallout from that. But I think the whole thing is hilarious given uh, Alistair Thorne's backstory. He's at the wall because he was a Targaryen loyal to, loyalist and was um, loyal to the Mad King. And when King Robert won the rebellion, he was sent up to the wall uh, instead of being killed. Um, and this, we assume, the reason why he hates John is because he hates the Starks because the Starks were part of the rebellion. But the irony comes in that Jon Snow is really Jon Targaryen, the rightful king of the Seven Kingdoms, and you know, him being a Targaryen loyalist, this should be his, you know, his king, his boy, and he's treating him like shit. It's all well. Plus, he's the one who uh, his like when he has uh, Jon assassinated in the fifth season or sixth season, fifth season. Um, you know, he says he does it for the for the 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 king, the nice watch, which he pretends to be like the most honorable member of the watch. When in reality, he hasn't not able to set aside his personal uh, issues with other people and actually govern this thing like like he should. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like an asshole in general, but it it makes us believe that he's particularly an asshole to John, and we don't see anything to the contrary. So yes. if if he was an asshole to everybody equally. Uh, I mean, obviously, he was an asshole to uh, Sam, but we don't see him. Uh, I mean, he's just an unpleasant person. I'm not saying he shows favorites. He's actually like pretty cool with some. But some people are like, "Hey, you want to? Oh, that's okay. If you're sick, just stay home today. You know, no big deal." Um, he <laughs> seems like the asshole boss for sure, but he seems to take it out on John exceptionally. Um, yes. So yes, he is not and an would- unbiased person at all. 
There were two other things I noticed about the scene. First, Alistair Thorne admits that they were they resorted to cannibalism. Yeah. at some point. Seems a little That's extreme. Up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I've seen. Yeah, you Lost, don't admit or... to that because basically, you know, those were somebody knows who those people were. Oh, Alistair yeah. Thorne ate some people. Well, that must have been when he was out for six. You said he was out for six months. Oh, well, that was spring of or winter of blah 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 blah. He went out with this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy and this guy didn't come back. So he ate that person. It doesn't sound. And he like was something- actually only out for a week and a half. But you know, you, you know what, guys? I think someone who ate other people should manage a team. <laughs> like he's, I think he's in the perfect role. I think this is part of the Sigma Six training. I believe so. I believe so. Nice project management leadership. Yeah. Uh, process improvement. Innovation. Then, <laughs> the other thing that was interesting is, did you all pick up on who the uh, woman who John almost banged was? Roz, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Roz. Well, Second Roz is the only episode. prostitute north of the neck. <laughs> Maybe uh, Roz is like a name for prostitutes, like Snow's a name for bastards or something. It could be. <laughs> I, I hate. I remember the first time watching it because I was a book reader. And Roz is a completely made-up character. I hated her ass. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't stand her. I mean, you know, she... Oh, made up for the show? Yeah, made up for the show. Oh. She was a sex position tool. Ah. But I, I kind of liked her character during the show. I, I mean, I thought she was kind of funny, We all know what you sassy. liked. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, yeah, well, like when she was on the cart when Dion was chasing after her. You know, it was just kind of fun. I, I don't know. Spoiler I thought she was alert. Uh, in yeah. the next episode, we'll be talking about things that happen where beavers may Shut not be flashed. Spoiler alert. You're spoiling the show. Yeah. Can, can you do a spoiler alert for an episode from 2011? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so anything else to say before we move on? No. No. All right. So we nope, go, nope, I'm good. One last time. So then we, we go, go to... Uh, oh, you go, you go, yes. please. We go back to the horsey capital of the world. Danny and Jorah are talking. Danny tells Jorah that um, that she hit him. Jorah says that now he's lower than a, a, a small snake or something along those lines. Um, so now Jorah, we saw... I mean, these Jorah's and Danny's lines uh, or attitudes towards uh, Viserys are really paralleling each other. And Jorah just, you know, Danny asks whether Jorah or uh, whether Viserys will ever take over the the Westeros. He says no, and you know this was Illyrio's fantasies. And um, I mean, I think Danny Jorah is like an episode ahead of Danny as as far as recognizing how shitty Viserys is. Well, I think he's so partly this- responsible for her uh, willing to entertain the idea too. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm what I'm saying is that I think that Jorah over the short course of the season so far has also become disillusioned with uh, Viserys. And so, but I, I guess he probably knew a little bit better than say Illyrio because I don't, did I don't know that Jorah, did Jorah meet Viserys prior to him becoming, or be, before Danny becoming married to Khal Drago? It's not clear, but what, I don't think so. I think yeah. uh, for some reason Jorah was kicking it with the Dothraki horde. I don't know why. Yeah, because if he was supposed to spy on Danny from the beginning, wouldn't he have been in some kind of role with Illyrio or at least nearby that instead of out with a Dothraki? Unless he was the one who had a hand in, in brokering the marriage between Danny and, and Khal Drogo. You never know. I don't know. It could be. It could be. Yeah. But 
who knows? So this is basically a scene that they both know that Viserys sucks, and it confirms Jorah confirms Danny's um, suspicion that he's a piece of garbage. I did enjoy the one uh, moment where Danny says, "Well, we've been told the common folks are uh, pleading for Viserys' return." Yeah. And, what a sh- and Jorah says, "Yeah, the common people just want you know." Cheetos, air conditioning, and, uh, you know, cable TV. Uh, and basically, they don't give a shit whether Hillary or Pre- Trump. President or, Camacho. Right. They don't give a shit. Uh, and I think that's a great sentiment. They don't care what games the High Lords pl- play. Because for the most part, it doesn't affect the commoners too much at all. I mean, occasionally it does in horrific, horrific ways. But for the most part, it doesn't. So, that was yeah, a nice and I, it's kind moment. Of- it's kind of funny that Danny still, I mean, even maybe after this episode, didn't realize how nobody would follow Viserys. Like, he would never become king. I, I guess that's her naivete, but it's she's very naive if she thought that, like, this crazy asshole thought he would eventually become king and she believed him. But I don't know. Maybe that's a Stockholm Syndrome type thing. I think it was, and the fact that he, he believed it so wholeheartedly, just like Stannis. Like, he believed yeah. that... He was the king uh, because of, you know, external conditions and not anything he actually did or had to do. Um, and she didn't know any better. I mean, yeah, her brother. Yeah, and she's supposed to, still young, too, as well. Right. So, Johnny T, anything to add to this scene? Huh, 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 what? Wait, what? I know there's not much to it. <laughs> No, 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 no commentary. Just that that dude's just an idiot, and he will die soon. How, what do you think about Jorah and uh, Danny? Do you like their love or unrequited love situation there? Um, hmm. I don't mind it. I guess I don't. Fucking creep. Do you think that <laughs> Jorah will get healed from grayscale or even be a factor going forward? I think he's gonna come back up. The fact that like. He got dismissed to. again. He's got to come back up. I just don't know how. Yeah, I don't. It, yeah, I would think so. Did you ever think that Jorah crossed over into creepy territory in their relationship? <laughs> For sure, I think so, but just not yet. Really? What What do you think was creepy about the relationship? Oh, the fact that it's he says he was, he was he says it's not like uh, she was showering he's telling, and he's peeking into the into the curtains or anything like that. No, she was urinating and he was hiding underneath. He's collecting it to bathe in it. Right. No, but when when he starts telling her more about uh, his wife that he lost, she asks, "What did she look like?" And he goes, "Well, she looked just like you." He did. Yeah. He just he just has a, he just has a crush. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. they definitely downplay it. It's a lot creepier in the books. Oh, all okay. Right. I thought it was relatively innocent in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's why I was like, I'm I'm all for it. Plus, he's yeah. a good-looking guy in the show. On the on in the books, he's a he's a monster. He's a big, burly, um, oh. hairy-shouldered uh, monster. So he he looks like that. Whoever plays it, he looks like an '80s. Um, yeah, like action action series star. He looks like, like he could have been face yeah. on the A team, not face yep, or, or, or yep or Fall Guy or something. He could have been John McClane, no question about it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we go That's what to I like that guy. Cool. we go to King's Landing, and it's the onset of the tournament. And Littlefinger, this is the first time he starts creeping on Sansa, 
And what is it? You, when he walks up, he says, "He said lovers quarrel." I didn't understand what that was. He, what he was because Sansa to. was looking at Joffrey, and Joffrey saw her and then looked away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I just didn't look close. I didn't watch close enough then. Sorry. Yeah, you gotta. You can't just you know play video games while you watch the. Just writing notes. Uh huh. All right, so uh, fucking things uh, are homework busy. assignment. It is. It's an obligation. <laughs> All right, so uh, that we're not we're, obligated we're, to anyone. <laughs> yeah, not obligated. But it's almost over. We only have like I don't know forty weeks left to the, the season seven. Yes. So it's right around the corner. Um. But, well, well, I'm done after this one. F this. No, you're going to be on every week. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, Littlefinger's creeping on Sansa. Um, gives her the whole backstory about the Hound and Gregor. And Sir Gregor murders a man in the joust. Happens to be the squire that was promoted tonight after John Aaron's death. So it makes you think, was he murdered on purpose? Perhaps under... Lannister orders because the Cleganes are Lannister bannermen. It wasn't it wasn't it clear in the books that these uh, jousters are supposed to have uh, whatever what what are the the lances that are supposed to explode right. upon impact? And in the book, it's more clear that somehow Gregor had a, um, a a lance that did not explode, and that's what led to Hugh of the Vale's death. But I, I think I don't it's still know the pretty specifics, clear. but yeah, he definitely did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah I think it's not quite as clear in the show that that's what happened, but in the books, it's a complete moon landing cover up kind of thing. I mean, it's it's clear that this was a conspiracy to kill Hugh of the Vale. Right, but it, in when you think about it, Littlefinger is pointing towards the Lannisters, but that doesn't make yes. any sense because the Lannisters didn't kill John Aaron. We know that yes, well, Liza yeah. Tully comes out later that Liza Tully killed John Aaron on Littlefinger's urging. Yes, yes, no question. And so uh, the, the one thing that was funny, I thought that is Littlefinger tried to explain the origin story behind his name, which is that from he's he's from a little place called the the Finger Islands. Yeah, and he was little as a child. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean. It's because he has a tiny wang, right? Is that what's going on here? That's uh, it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, he right? says that's it, and he is an expert, so yeah. we're gonna go that's that it. way. That's why they call us. They call him Little Fingers. <laughs> oh God! Wow. All right. Sorry, inside inside joke, baseball. All right, yeah. so uh, yeah, Queen Cersei. So then Littlefinger gives Littlefinger gives the story of the mountain and the hound, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and the phrase he uses that phrase some some men are born with a talent for violence, which I thought that was an incredible phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that might have been I, I like in the book. Scene. I don't remember. Probably. I don't think uh, Benioff or whatever that other guy's whatever the DB. But yeah, that was a, I don't something about that phrase was striking, and then the way it, that Littlefinger can deliver, or that actor can deliver lines. Um, there, he he's really good. I like that yeah. guy. Yeah, he's got that, like, I don't know, just that... Crazy. I'm kind of talking like this. And it's his little mouth. Little, yeah. Little, it's just weird. Yeah, yeah, but he's, heard, he's great. I love it. I, I've I heard other people that. say that his voice has evolved from the way it was in the beginning. Like, oh, oh really? the Starks, you know, slow of mind or quick of action. And, like, you compare that to what he what he sounds like in the sixth season, and he's like, he's all full-on Dark Knight. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he's going to be season seven or eight. He's going to be Bane. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but I did like the uh, introduction of the mountain versus the, the hound, uh, which that obviously in the next episode, spoiler alert, um, pays off a little bit more. But I, I hold out hope that those two will end up fighting by the end of this. Uh, yeah, the, after this watching this, after watching this episode, watching yep. uh, what happens in the following episode where they actually come to blows, they've got to come together at some point, right? It seems like it's being... Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking when I watched it. Was I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. now like th- this could be something. Right. And it's got to. It's yeah, got it to. And it, it, it would to. be... I, I'm guessing that they both kill each other somehow. Yeah, um, makes sense. But I could be off. But it's a it's a good versus evil thing, right? So I mean, it's got to play itself out, you would think. Well, I think Gregor is definitely evil. Well, he's all pure, the way. pure yes. evil, right? Pure San- evil. Yeah, Sandor was um, probably closer to evil than good, but uh, he might have redeemed well, himself somewhat in the in the weird Swearingen episode. But um, but he, I think, he's always had a heart. You know, somewhere. Has he? When he ran down Micah, the butcher's boy, for no reason? He was, other than he he was, was told, under well, orders. I, I, I'm not saying yeah. he's, a per, he's a perfect angel, but I think he's, he's, the, <laughs> he's the type of... Yeah, boys will be he's boys. A, he's, he's a bad guy who's done bad things, but he still has a heart at the end of the day. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a generous is, interpretation, but I don't know that. I can't say that's wrong. That's for sure. But this is the same Damn thing right, they do yeah. with... This is the same thing to do with any kind of, like, bad guy story... Uh, in order for the, them to get you to like uh, Dexter, you know, a guy who kills people, yeah, they have exactly. a bad guy who's even worse. So this right, is right. this is not a you know out of control. He is bad, but he is overshadowed by how awful his brother is. I think though, if we do have a Clegane Bowl, it's gonna be kind of soured in my mind because Gregor is basically dead. Like I don't, he's not operating. As if he has autonomy or he's a normal human being. Yeah, see, he's so, operating okay, like a goddamn question, robot. Question, uh, spoiler alert. So what what the hell is he now? Is he like a Frankenstein or something? Yes. He's a Frankenstein. Basically? Okay. He's like a skeleton like, reanimated. Yeah, he's a Frankenstein. Frankenstein, got it. No, no Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. <laughs> Sorry, John. These are these are references to a podcast, that, a comedy podcast that David. And I we're not going to get into it. Not going to get into yeah. it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, am I wrong in thinking that Gregor is not himself anymore? I think the for all intents and purposes, the Viper did win. He just lost at the same time. He did kill Gregor Clegane, and what we have now is not Gregor right. anymore. It's like Gregor's animated corpse like gregor doesn't seem to have any will of his own so that right. that removes a, that okay. removes personhood in my mind i think of uh, him as like an attack dog where he's trained to a certain extent but he could go bananas at any time that's a yeah. and we haven't seen him go bananas but at least that's my perception of him yeah i don't i don't see him just obeying orders forever like i could see him just like turning on his master maybe one day yeah, but he's not gonna. I don't know. Go back to his normal life. It's not. It's not like he can, like, go uh, yeah. find a girl with that face. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's not gonna. You know. Well, Reaper. <laughs> he's the worst. He's so. the worst. All, All right. right. Jinx. So then Cersei goes to speak to Ned. She initially says she wants to put everything behind them, trying to kiss up. But then as soon as she's questioned, she turns on him. 
Uh, she discusses how you're a soldier, you kill out all your enemies, as was I. Um, I don't know. This scene didn't have a whole lot to it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, boring just, and pointless. Yeah. Anything, so, anything Johnny? Mm, where, uh, where, where, where are we? What's the last scene? Where are Basically, we at? Uh, Queen Cersei talks to Ned and tries to make peace for a second, and then they just end up shit-talking each other. Oh, yeah, no. No, that's good. Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, pointless scene. Moving on. So, Doug, take us to the last scene with Cat and Beard Burns. All right, in at the crossroads, we have Catelyn and Sideburns uh, eating dinner uh, at a you know an inn on the side of the road. All of a sudden, Tyrion comes in and is informed that there's no room at the inn, um, and he convinces a guy to give up his room by bribery, and that guy is. Braun. And of course, that was Bronn. <laughs> so we got our first look at Bronn. Yeah, you know, and it's not a big reveal. This is like it's just like Theon or. Uh, a lot of these people are like there, but they're not introduced until later, which yes, uh, it's kind of good. I think. I mean, with so many people, you kind of like, oh, I know that guy's face. Um, I'm better at faces than I am names, so I appreciate that. And, I, I mean, smart. how important is Bronn to the series? And we meet him. And he's just sitting in an inn. Tyrion says, "I'll give a copper for a room." He goes, "I'll take it." And then that's it for this entire episode. I mean, yeah. I think they really do pay these things off. I mean, it's really interesting to me. They do. I I, I give it that. So, um, but uh, Tyrion notices Catelyn's sees past her clever disguise of wearing like a a handkerchief on her head. I I can <laughs> barely tell who she was. <laughs> it's like those parties where somebody like pretends to be a lamp by standing in the corner with a shade on their face, lampshade. But uh, which, which party even, was this? <laughs> several parties that you were at but uh I go to but Catelyn yeah she uh, uh it's Catelyn right Catelyn Catelyn leverages Caitlin. her station Caitlin. Kate. no it's Catelyn no, Katie Katie face alright agree to disagree um but uh what's her face she holds a pep rally she holds a pep rally <laughs> and says <laughs> uh you know hey you over there was didn't your dad know my dad? Yes, my lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I see you at a PTA meeting last week? You sure did. <laughs> well, yes, if you uh, if you like me, kill this fucker or, or take this guy. So they all pull out their swords, and Tyrion looks to be fucked uh, and is arrested. Um, and she says she's gonna take him to Winterfell. Obviously, we know that's not gonna happen, but that's how we leave the show. That's actually one of the few things, clever things that Cat has done in the show, and I, I did think it was interesting. The names of the I wrote these down. The names of the houses that kind of pledged her in that impromptu pep rally were the Heron Hall, Bracken, and the Freys. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So. So yeah, it's but that's what I was saying. I think I was saying this earlier in the episode that uh, they pay off these names. They just drop these names um, like Lucy Goosey, but they're consistent with yeah. them. We we get these names again later in the. In the show, so they're not just making up shit like bleep bleep and gloop gloop. Um, <laughs> although I would like that more. There is know. house bleep bleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there was this in this scene. There was this singer was speaking to to Cat and Beard Burns. And if you remember in the, uh, I just actually reread this chapter or some of these chapters recently. That singer is really important in the first book, and he's almost like nothing in the t- television series. Yeah, well, he's instrumental. He witnesses the death of Liza Tully at the hands of uh, Littlefinger. 
And that happens yes, in, in the like books. book three, I think. So yeah, uh, he sticks around for quite a while. He goes on the adventure with um, Catelyn and Tyrion. He might in the show too, but if he does, he's going to get killed next episode when they get attacked by the uh, the clans of the, the mountain people Hill or whatever. The hill folk. Hill folk. All right. Overall, uh, you heard me at the top. Uh, I did not like this episode as a, a whole lot. I thought it was boring. It added to some of the intrigue, but the intrigue didn't make up for how long-winded it was and how much just sheer world-building and backstory we got. I so, call it, uh, it was uh, it was just a little bit of a history lesson. Right. For like, for an hour. Yeah, I, I agree. There was, it was a more exposition, and a lot of the, if you know what's going on, then a lot of these things that are saying are not that interesting. I think the show is attempting to reiterate them to really try to immerse people in the world because the world is so confusing. I did think it was interesting seeing, uh, picking out these minor details, like for instance, Roz's name showing up twice in this episode, but the larger episode I think was kind of boring, especially when you just know everything that's happening in it. So I I agree with you. Even using my imagination and trying to be like somebody who hasn't seen this before, it's, it doesn't seem like, I'm already. I, I might be, you know, flipping through uh, my phone at the same time while watching this show. If it's the first time around, I don't. Even. I don't think I was when I first watched it. Yeah. Yeah, but how did how did how did you guys feel about it when you first saw it? Like, did you have the same reaction? Oh well, actually, I mean, Brian I, I, Brian I can remember. Brian can answer this because he saw the first couple seasons before reading the books. So do you remember? Yeah, how? no, I, I, th- I thought that, I thought it was very interesting because I still had no clue what was going on. Right. And I remember, you know, when you first what when you start binge watching an epi- a series, because uh, I I don't think we start, started watching it until the third or fourth season was airing. I mean, you just watch them all in a row. You don't go back and watch them again to try to figure out what the hell is going on. You just assume you'll figure it out later or try to read the Wikipedia entries. But God, the names are just so confusing, and who knows what's going on? I mean, I I remember the first season. I don't think I was bored during a single episode because I had yeah. no clue what was going on. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so like you said, I was just trying to learn things and trying to remember who's who. But I think like my big takeaway, like when the first, like in season one, was just like how good the acting was. Like even like like you said, like the character Littlefinger. I'm like, what a what a good like casting of that weirdo. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what kept me like watching was just you had all this like cast of characters and everyone like does a good job playing whatever their little bit part is. Even that the blonde brother guy that we've been making fun of. Like he just, that was the, he looked just like he was supposed to. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think, yeah. I think casting is one thing you cannot criticize the show for at all. Um, you know, poor writing from time to time. Absolutely. But, uh, casting, not one of them. All right. So I'm going to give this show, uh, a 1.5 out of five Ooh. stars. Pretty low. Brutal. Yeah, pretty brutal. So, Johnny T, you can make up your own grading scale. I like to do mine on a, a sandwich grading scale. And so I was initially going to give it a uh, processed ham sandwich, but I think I'm going to go with a salami sandwich on this one. That's a little bit better, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ham, that that shitty ham versus like that you get into like the clear package with the yellow underside yeah. versus salami. Salami's pretty good. Is it? Ooh, oh, I, like, I like that scale. Yeah, I'll give it. Um, I'm, I'm going to use the sandwich scale too. Um, I don't. I don't know if your listeners know this, but I am a sandwich connoisseur. Uh, well, you know, I thought you want to do a Mexican food because I know that you're a uh, Taco Bell fan. Well, yeah, would you give this a, a red, white, and green enchilada? 
Yeah, I mean, you you can you can go anywhere from uh, a case of Lupa all the way down to Taco Bell breakfast. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's all right. Well, let me start with a sandwich. I'll do both. Okay. I'll treat you. I'll treat treat you guys. So I'll give it um, a Cuban sandwich because it's talked up so highly. It's supposed to be this awesome thing, and it's just an okay sandwich. Wow, oh, you've been getting Cubans from the wrong place, then, brother. Yeah, I, no, I think so. Dude, they're all they're all the, they're all the same. They're like supposed to be awesome, but it's just a freaking Cuban, dude. It's like toasted That's bread. That's racist. That's racist. And we've talked about bread this. and a little bit of ham and cheese. Yay. Um, and then yeah, as far but as it's ta- pressed. I don't yeah. like it pressed. The the, the well, then you too, you aren't getting a Cuban sandwich, you piece of shit. When it's too toasted, you're it's, just getting a hoagie. Yeah, you're just, just getting a, a Subway sandwich. Are you getting your Cubans from Subway? <laughs> yeah, if your scale is Subway Cuban, then yes, you're you're dead on. It's it's my sandwich scale, guys. You have no right to. All right, all right, all right. What's the no what's the Taco Bell uh, scale now? Oh, um, I'll just give it your just a not a soft taco, like one up from a soft taco. Really? Maybe just, just like yeah. It wasn't terrible. Soft know, taco supreme. Just, um, yeah, maybe just like a plain like burrito. Not a not a chalupa. Not a, definitely not a gordita. <laughs> plain burrito. You heard the man. All right. Um. So I'm gonna interpret that as awful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um. Overall. Um. Thank you for joining us. Do you have any last minute things? Because we might not ever talk to you again. So, uh, are you excited for where the show's going to go next? Um, and don't let that comment from Doug uh, preclude you from coming back on. You're always welcome to come back on. I appreciate I, that. I think the implication was that you might not want to come back on, but I hope you do. We have I've, fun. Got to sleep, I've got to sleep on it. I will say this was slightly traumatic. Um, <laughs> yeah. My my head's about to explode with information, so I just need to I just need to chill. I just need to chill out. Are you going to continue this. to rewatch the series, or did you just watch this episode out of context for the show? I literally watched this episode for this show. Wow, that's going to be this podcast. Because one thing you 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 guys know about me, I'm only going to do what I'm asked to do. I'm not going to be proactive. <laughs> All right, if we invite so, you back on, we might invite you when we know a, a good episode's coming up. Plenty of uh, violence and explosions. I will, I will. Yep. If you'll, if you'll have me, I, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to participate. Excellent. Okay, for all of us here at the Ashamed of Thrones crew, uh, remember to review and rate us on iTunes. That is stagnated, and we didn't have one lady offer to be on the show last week, so we're gonna keep that out there. If you're a lady and you want to be on the show. May God have mercy on your soul. That is a terrible invitation. <laughs> we'll send you a free t-shirt. <laughs> if, but it doesn't have anything to do with us. So it'll just be a t-shirt that we're throwing away. If you are a lady and want to be on the show, uh, we will have you. Please uh, please let us know. Reach out to us at ashamedofthrones at gmail.com or on ashamedofthrones.com, which is a domain name that might expire if we don't get 1,000 likes in the next uh, two weeks. Okay, guys, um, this is Doug. With me, as always, Brian. And for Johnny T, saying take care and I'm sorry. <laughs>